You're listening to the Future Sense podcast. You can find us online at futuresense.it. Welcome to episode 139 of Future Sense. I'm your host, Steve McDonald, and in this episode, I'm going to talk about being second tier in a first tier world. In December 2020, Christina, one of our listeners, wrote to me and requested an episode about being up the front of the conga line. What is it like right now for those with second tier consciousness? What are the challenges of having different value systems and how do people manage that? So in response, I'm going to cover some of the key changes that happen when we move into second tier, according to Claire W. Gray's model of human development, and as layer seven from that model becomes our dominant value system. I'll talk about some of the challenges we face as our worldview undergoes this radical shift, and I'll read some passages from Claire Graves' research notes about that. And we'll also talk about ways to manage your life conditions to support yourself being in second tier in a world that really is still built for first-tier consciousness and by first-tier consciousness. In everyday life, it's generally regarded by those who've studied Graves' work that we are usually spread across about three value systems on the spiral of development. So when we begin entering layer seven, which is the first step into the second tier of consciousness, there are parts of us still operating most likely from layers five and six. That means for a while, we'll be falling into and falling out of second tier as our life conditions change. And that's certainly been my experience. Assuming this understanding is correct, It's really not until we move into layer nine that we will be solidly operating from second tier consciousness because then we'll be spread across layers seven, eight and nine with no parts of us left behind in the first tier. When we awaken to second tier, there are some things we can see that can't be unseen. Some things become apparent and we just can't unlearn those or pretend that we don't know them. So even though we may not be fully stable in second-tier consciousness, there are some things that do remain stable, such as having an inherent awareness of the value systems themselves and being able to sense them and feel them. We will have days where we feel almost superhuman and days when we've fallen back into first tier where we feel like we've lost something and we feel less capable. And this seems to be a normal change trajectory to move backwards and forwards while the change process is underway. Of course, at a global level right now, we're seeing backwards movement as the mainstream is moving beyond the old layer five scientific industrial paradigm and experiencing a regressive value search, which is going back to layer four authoritarianism or even to layer three, uh, where we express force and raw power as we try to solve the complex problems that we're facing. So you can see these patterns apply not just to individuals, but also to humanity as a whole and at every scale in between. I'll talk for a moment now about what happens when we're approaching that first step into second tier. So in Graves' model, we talk about exiting a layer and then entering the next layer. So each layer has an entering phase, a nodal phase, and then an exiting phase. And if we drew that as a graph, it would look like a bell curve. And as we're on the back end of the bell curve, as layer six values are starting to become problematic, we experience an overwhelm of the rational mind. So the rational mind is trying to cope with living amongst six different value systems. And eventually it gets overloaded to the point where 
trying to cope through logic alone just doesn't work anymore. And this is part of the collapse process of the sixth layer that then leads us into the change dynamic, taking us through to layer seven. And often this is experienced as a dark night of the soul. In fact, I, I suspect for many people, this is probably the darkest night of the soul that they will experience up to this point in life. And certainly that was the case for me. One of the contributing factors to this overwhelm of the rational mind is what's called the pre-trans fallacy zone. And that's a term that was coined by Ken Wilber. And he's referring to the fact that we've reached the height of rationalism in layer five. And as we move into layer six, we need to bring back in our emotional self and reconnect with that. And then try to start integrating our emotional input, our emotional signals, and how they contribute to our decision-making process with our rational mind, our logic, and also some early-stage intuition, which is usually kicking in during layer six. And this can cause great confusion, and we can get mixed up, not quite knowing whether we're feeling something or thinking something because we're afraid, or whether we're actually tapping into true intuition. And it's only through a process of trial and error over time that we eventually learn how to discern between those two things. If we skip for a moment now from the personal experience level up to a global scale, the recent pandemic and the combination of false news, speculation, conspiracy theories on social media, plus different levels of censorship, have created a similar zone of confusion for some people on a very large scale. And similarly, the key to making sense of it all is discerning what role our fears are playing in the sense-making process. Growing into second-tier consciousness requires recognizing and moving beyond our fears. Back to the personal level now. As we enter into layer 7, we encounter a very steep learning curve due to our access to new multidimensional sensory input. We typically experience massive mental clarity, as we disentangle ourselves from the emotional and intellectual burdens of the first six value systems. The, those problems don't disappear. It's simply that our capacity to deal with them takes a quantum leap, which is enabled by this freeing up of our mental emotional system. I'm talking here about the emergence of transrational intelligence or deep intuition, the capacity to immediately know things, and to have extraordinary access to new knowledge and insights. With this extra clarity and capacity, our interest turns to the biggest problems we face. And typically we become driven by the desire to explore reality with new eyes and to ensure the continuation of this amazing experience that we're having. At a practical level, this means ensuring the continuation of humanity's existence on planet Earth at the very largest scale. We are able to see and work with the systemic whole with systems of systems. And we're no longer focused on simple questions like, how do I survive? Which has been a fundamental question in all of the first tier value systems. Instead, we have the capacity to adjust our own frequency and to meet other people where they're at by matching their own value systems frequency. We accept human nature as it is and we adjust ourselves as necessary to meet people. So the fundamental question in second tier is not how do I survive, but it's 
Who am I being from moment to moment? In layer seven, all of our basic human fears are resolved. So fear is no longer a driver of our behavior. This doesn't mean we don't feel fear. We can still feel it, but it's simply not a driver of behavior anymore. We also move beyond compulsive behaviors, those subconscious programs that have driven us in various ways in each one of the first tier value systems. And each one of those systems has its own particular compulsions. We are able to cope with and work practically with paradox, which means that we can make sense of things that might require us to do the opposite of what's logical. And all of the problems related to all of the previous layers in the first tier are essentially solved. We are no longer dependent, nor are we independent, but we live interdependently. Compassion, which really develops as we enter into layer six and deepens in layer six, now in second tier, in layer seven, becomes an obvious and very useful practical tool rather than the sometimes heavy-hearted experience that can be at layer six. And this is because we can sense a person's fundamental values and their drivers. They're apparent to us. So we can clearly understand their condition and why they're experiencing what they're experiencing and also what they need. Compassion is actually a very good measure of personal development. And at this current time in history, when there's a lot of talk about changing the world and human rights, etc., demonstrated compassion is a really good indicator of someone who is actually walking the talk at layer six and beyond. And there are many politicians at the moment, for example, who are talking a lot about human rights, about which lives matter, about green energy. But if you watch how they speak about and treat their opponents, their political opponents, they're not actually respecting others at all. So either they're lying or they really haven't stepped fully into layer six yet. So just keep that in mind and use that as an indicator. Look for the compassion. Is that person truly demonstrating compassion? I want to turn now to some of Claire Graves' research notes and what he had to say about layer seven. In 1952, 1953, which were the early years of his research, he wrote that about 7% of his study subjects were at layer seven, which at the time was around about 70 people. And he said, the seventh level of human behavior is actually the beginning of human life all over again on a new and different basis. He called it the most dramatic change in human behavior that has yet occurred. He described its nature as express self for what self desires and others need, but never at the expense of others and in a manner that all life, not just my life, will profit. He named the prime value of the layer seven value system as existence itself. And I'm going to read through some longer passages now. These are taken from Claire Graves' research notes as they appear in the book, The Never-Ending Quest. And I think these are useful whether you are in transition between layer six and layer seven or whether you're in layer seven or, or even beyond that. Listening to what Graves had to say, I, I think can help cement or create some structure around your understanding of either where you're headed or your understanding of yourself where you might be at the moment. 
The only things I'm going to change here are the labels that Graves used. He had a, a series of letter pairs that he used instead of the terms layer six, layer seven, etc. that I use. And also some of his gender references, because remembering this was written last century uh, and he was appealing to the social norms of that time. So Graves said, layer seven thinking is in terms of what is best for the survival of life, my life, their lives, and all life, but not compulsively. And what is best for me or thee does not have to be best for she or them. My way does not have to be yours, nor yours mine. Yet I have very strong convictions about what is my way, but never such about yours. In the sixth and the seventh value systems, they both look at things situationally and relativistically. From the sociocentric individual, in other words, the sixth layer, you get the feeling that they are not too sure where they stand, but the seventh layer individual knows full well where they stand. He's got his values, he's got his opinion. It may not be what anyone else has, and he might not share it with you, but if he's got expertise or knowledge in the subject, then he's got an opinion. And again, quoting Graves, Seventh level values come not from selfish interest, but from the recognition of the magnificence of existence, and from the desire to see that it shall continue to be. Because of its prime characteristic, dissolution of fear and compulsiveness, with marked increases in conceptual space, other people cannot readily empathize with seventh level thinking. To the seventh level person, the prime value is life. Thus, he focuses on the problems that life itself creates. This is why the prime need is for existence, the existence of life, not self. Here, for the first time, humans are able to face existence in all its dimensions, even to the point of valuing inconsistencies, oppositions, and flat contradictions. They see the world and all its things, all its beings, and all its people, as truly interdependent. They see them entwined in a subjective-objective complex. So they value pluralism. They value that which will enable all animals, all plants and things to be, and all of humankind to become. Ethics are based on the best possible evidence as to what will benefit all, the majority. The needy or the desiring is not enough. They value that which will do good for the self and all of the universe. But the peripheral aspects of what they value today may change tomorrow, because as they solve one set of problems, they seek another in its place. So you can see there Graves is talking about the capacity to shift between different value sets as necessary in order to solve problems. The most appropriate value system is applied to solve the problem. Quoting from Graves again, the layer 7 way of life will be so different from any that we have known up to now that its substance is very difficult to transmit. It is the most difficult system of all to comprehend. Possibly the following will help. The layer 7 individual will explode at what they do not like, but will not be worked up or angry about it. They will get satisfaction out of doing well, but will get no satisfaction from praise for having done so. Praise is anathema to them. They are egoless, but terribly concerned with the rightness of their own existence. 
They are detached from and unaffected by social realities, but have a very clear sense of their existence. In living their life, they constantly take into account their personal qualities, their social situation, their body and their power, but these are of no great concern to them. They are not terribly important to them unless they are terribly important to you. They will fight for themselves, but are not defensive. They see the world as one great big system, and that unless you attend to each and every part, you're going to be in real trouble. They are terribly concerned about the fact that life must continue to exist hereafter, in terms of what is best for the survival of life, my life, their life, and all life, but not compulsively. When they talk about life, they don't mean human life, they mean all life. Their means, in inverted commas, values, are accepting values. They value the genuine acceptance of human nature as it is. They shun artificiality and others' preferences for what it should be. They value all human appetites but are not a compulsive slave to any of them. They value spontaneity, simplicity and ethics that make sense, but not conventionality. Just continuing to develop is more valued than striving to become this or that. The activity is more important than any acclaim that may result. They value solving problems more than fulfilling selfish desires and what must be done rather than what they desire to do. Universality is valued over provinciality and broadness of view is preferred to pettiness. They value the long run of time, even beyond their life. Detachment is a value which replaces the objectivity of layer five days, and a few deep relationships mean more to them than broad acceptance by other people. Viable ends determine their behavior more than do the means to the ends. Above all else, they value democracy in the very deepest sense. They are not an egocentric do unto others as you would have them do unto you, but a do unto others as they would have done to them. There are many roads to Rome, and what matters is not the path that is taken, but that one gets to Rome, to the continuance of all life. Today, the seventh level person with their mind open for cognitive roaming is developing the coming mode of life. Proper behavior in the seventh level of existence is the recognizant way. Its ethic is recognize, truly notice what life is, and you shall know how to behave. That is the foundation stone of the existence ethic. The proper way to behave is the way that comes from working within existent reality. If it is realistic that one should suffer, then suffer they should. If it is realistic to be happy, then it is good to be happy. If the situation calls for authoritarianism, then it is proper to be authoritarian. And if the situation calls for democracy, one should be democratic. Behavior is proper if it is based on today's best possible evidence. He who behaves within such limits and fails, or has to change, should feel no shame. This ethic prescribes that what was right yesterday may not be seen as right tomorrow, and it prescribes that some behaviour which was wrong yesterday will always be wrong, just as some behaviour which was right yesterday may or may not be right today. The seventh level person is informationally oriented, 
pragmatic and seeks to do the best possible given the information on the present situation. Values and concepts are derived from current information. Those having the information on the situation should lead. As things change, so should the leader. A revolving leadership pattern. I'll break from quoting Graves here for a moment to say that one of the characteristics of growing through these value systems is that you don't really understand, you can't recognize a value system until you've grown into it. So for people who have yet to grow into second-tier consciousness, when they encounter somebody who is operating from second-tier consciousness, they can't identify what value system they're operating from. They don't recognize it. And so the best they can do in trying to understand you is to compare you with themselves or with something from their past in terms of older value systems. And the end result of that is that people who are operating from second tier are often misunderstood. And here's what Claire Graves wrote about being misunderstood. Quote, One of the problems you have here is that the evidence seems to indicate that people who operate at lower layers see the values and beliefs of people at layers higher than theirs as immoral. When I say higher, I'm referring to two systems above and beyond. Generally, if a person is operating at layer 4 or layer 5 and runs into someone who thinks in a layer 7 fashion, they'll end up calling them a layer 3. They'll take them right down. They have that kind of difficulty. You simply cannot get away from it. End quote. So, I'd add that you need to be very cautious of that, expect that to happen, and be very mindful of how you speak to others. Choose your words carefully. At second tier, the freedom to be able to act in accordance with second tier values is very, very important. And that means we must shape our life conditions around us to enable that. Here's what Graves had to say about freedom. Quote, So if I'm asked where to go look for and try and find a layer seven person in any broad organizational setup, I would look at one of two places. Firstly, the place which is psychologically most remote from the authority of the establishment, meaning that one place the establishment cares least about, or secondly, one that is geographically most remote. The layer sevens recognize the impossibility of trying to change closed minds, so they say, get away from them, unquote. Here's what Claire Graves had to say about the purpose of Layer 7. Quote, The purpose will be to bring the Earth back to equilibrium so that life upon it can survive, and this involves learning to act within the limits inherent in the balance of life. And from the standpoint of values, Graves wrote, We appear to be headed for a reversal, though in higher order form, of those values and beliefs we have held most dear and in our institutional ways of living. A few things we might expect when life is ordered by layer 7 thinking are Quality, not quantity, will become the measure of worth. Reduction of use will be valued. Growth will be devalued. Freedom to operate in one's own self-interest will be replicated by the responsibility to operate in the interest of others. The measure of educational success will not be quantity of learning, but whether the education leads to movement up the existential staircase, in other words, growth. Business and other organizations will, will be judged in the same way. The boss will be the expediter of subordinates' desires rather than the director of their activities. 
the political systems which let anyone run for office will be replaced by systems that require candidates to meet certain requirements for office. A leisure ethic will replace the work ethic as the primary means of valuing a person. A person will be revered more for their ability to contribute in their non-earning time than in their earning time. Work will be increased for the young and reduced for the older, while education is increased for the older and reduced for the younger. And actions that promote interdependent existence will be valued more than those that promote the sanctity of the individual. I'll break away from quoting Graves now. I hope his words have provided some useful insights into second-tier consciousness. And this shift that we have begun to make, and, and that is accelerating, really has no precedent that we know of. If there was a precedent, it may be something like the first emergence of Homo sapiens amidst the Neanderthals and other predecessors that existed at that time. And we know uh, now from uh, research that the earliest humans did coexist with predecessors and interbred, and they, they mingled in the same societies, and something similar may be about to happen or may be underway. The leap from layer six into second tier at layer seven is in some respects a baby step if we compare it to the first tier of consciousness the first layer in the first tier was hunter-gatherer existence which really wasn't all that much different from what came before it as far as we know so that first step into layer one was a baby step into the first tier of consciousness and I think in many respects, layer seven is a baby step into the second tier. It's certainly different enough, though, that when you move into layer seven, you do feel like an outsider and are able to perceive things that most of the people around you can't perceive. And looking at those people, it seems like they're lost in their own worlds and running on programs that they themselves can't see or understand. So it is a very interesting and in many respects, a challenging shift as well. Right now, we live in a world that's built around support systems designed by layer four and layer five thinking, so it's really not catering for second-tier individuals yet. It's a little bit like being one of the first cars ever made, but there aren't yet any gas stations or proper roads to drive on. So we need to create those support conditions. As Graves said, we must shape the world to suit our needs, but not at the expense of others or at the expense of the environment. And second-tier consciousness is emerging into a world that has suffered from first-tier human existence. And at a time when we're about to face some enormous challenges, both natural events and some of our own making. So I'm going to offer, at a personal level now, a bit of guidance on self-care and uh, this is based on my own life experience. I'm sure that what I experienced and what I needed won't be exactly the same for everybody, but I hope this will be useful in some ways. First and foremost, moving beyond the rational mind and tapping into that transrational intelligence is really key. And that requires taking time out and developing a regular practice. For me, it began as sitting meditation and then developed into moving meditation in the form of Taoist Kung Fu, where I was able to tap into the natural energy flows in and through my body and eventually access higher knowledge 
and particularly specifically through the crown chakra, which is an energy gateway located just slightly to the rear of the highest point on your head. You'll find there's a little depression right there, uh, which is Governor Vessel 20 uh, in Chinese medicine. Tapping into that, let your higher awareness guide you. It can guide your diet. You'll have the capacity to know what's good for you to eat. And sometimes it's not until you change your diet that you'll realize that you feel better eating differently. And I went through a phase of uh, lightening up my diet, moving away from eating denser foods. Uh, I'm not a, a vegetarian, but I did find that at one point moving away from eating denser meats uh, made me feel better. And I gravitated, I gravitated towards uh, chicken and fish and those sorts of things. In terms of your health and medical treatment, uh, as you are growing through layer six, you'll quite likely start to seek alternative medicine methodologies. And in layer seven, you'll start to see the systemic whole that is the second tier human body and work with that using the best available care and technologies that you can find. And particularly in layer seven, frequency-based methodologies seem to be uh, very attractive and uh, this the the saying is physics is the new medicine i think there's a lot of value in that and this might include using bioresonance machines which are frequency based uh, uh, diagnosis and treatment machines and also i've found that traditional chinese medicine offers a much more holistic understanding of various aspects of our body and our health than western medicine does and it's not about discarding Western medicine or discarding anything. It's really about understanding what works best for you. And most likely at this time in history, using a combination of different methodologies to get the right care. Reconnecting with nature and understanding the natural cycles are very important things. And of course, this is a, a key theme in layer six is rediscovering nature and understanding that we are a part of nature, we're not separate to nature, and we have to work together with it, and we have to work with its natural cycles. The repeating themes, indigenous themes from layer one in the first tier that re-emerge at uh, layer seven are, of course, key to this and key to the way that we need to reconnect to the earth and to nature's cycles. And for more on that, you might like to revisit episode 92 of Future Sense, which talks about uh, the re-emergence of indigenous themes in second tier. And there are changes to our biology which occur as we move into second tier, which we don't, most of us at least, don't really fully understand. Cryon has spoken about those changes, uh, and particularly changes to our DNA in his book 14, which is called The New Human. And I do recommend getting a copy of that book and having a read of it. It's, uh, it's, it's very, very useful just to understand the biological changes and other changes that are occurring as we're moving into second tier. And part of that, of course, is the beginning of illumination of the light body, which is a new energy structure, which gets overlaid the existing structure, uh, which is described in some of the traditional medicine systems, such as the Indian system and Chinese medicine system. And it's a subject that I'm very keen on continuing to investigate at the moment. As best as I can discern, it seems that full illumination of this light body structure 
requires uh, the activation of a trinity of chakras, uh, seven, eight, and nine. So the, the seventh uh, is on top of the head and eight and nine sit above the head. And those chakra numbers seem to equate to the layers described in Graves' model. So we're talking there about layers seven, eight, and nine. Uh, and, uh, and so remembering that we're normally spread across three of the layers at any one time, it seems that once we become spread across seven, eight, and nine, and we have those three energy centers activated, then we will experience full activation of the light body structure which I think will be a radical shift indeed. As we've been saying uh, through this episode, we really need to shape our external environment to support us. And that's always a characteristic of the individually themed value systems, which layer seven is, of course, even though it's, it's more integrated than any that came before it. And that includes taking notice of and making choices around the people that you hang out with, the places that you go and just the general frequencies that are around you in everyday life and making sure that they are supportive. I found that studying various theoretical models has been useful to put structure around the new sensory perception that develops and the new understanding of self in the area of spirituality and religion. Uh, remembering, of course, that the, the growth into second tier really does open up a new multidimensional awareness. And so what we've sort of put in a box and called religion in the past develops into something that's integrated into everyday life. And, and I think uh, that makes it much more relevant. So some of Ken Wilber's work has been very useful for me. In particular, I'd recommend his audio sets called Cosmic Consciousness and also The Future of Spirituality, which are available from SoundsTrue.com. I've always found Ken's books difficult to read. And uh, those two sets in particular I found quite useful in terms of painting a picture of human existence and the growth through different layers of consciousness and concepts of spirituality all being integrated into a solid model. I've also found it really useful to study natural laws from an esoteric perspective and Hermetic mysticism has been one of the areas I've studied over the years, and also Taoism, which is an indigenous belief system from China that dates back at least two and a half thousand years. And the way it talks about natural energy flows and cycles, uh, it just provides a really good foundation for understanding how to get yourself in sync with those natural uh, phenomena. And of course, from the point of view of human nature, I, I have to recommend the work of Claire W. Graves. And uh, if you haven't yet read The Change Code, uh, I recommend that. There's a, you'll find a link to uh, The Change Code book on the Future Sense website, futuresense.it. Right now, as we are navigating the collapse of the scientific industrial era and the collapse of all of our various social support systems, such as government, etc., it's going to be increasingly important to protect yourself from these first tier social systems and behaviors that are obviously quite damaging and remembering also that these older value systems particularly uh, layer five and and really before too long layer six as well will be in their deconstructive phase and so they'll be creating more problems than they're solving and so um, we need to 
build what's next. We need to build second tier systems and in the process of, you know, before those systems are available, make sure that we protect ourselves from damage from these older systems. For example, medical treatments that have been designed by layer five thinking, which are ignorant of the body's nature as a whole integrated system. And sometimes treatments can help one part of the body and damage other parts of the body. And certainly anything that is changing your DNA at the moment, and I know this is topical, I would certainly be avoiding simply because I don't think that the systems designing these methodologies really understand what they're doing. So I hope you found this episode useful. It's difficult to know how many people on the planet at the moment are operating from second tier consciousness. Certainly one of the things that we need to do is find ways of reaching each other. And one of the main projects that I'm working on at the moment is aimed at exactly that. We're building a dedicated digital network for connection and collaboration, and it will be ready for beta testing soon. And we're aiming to open it up for general membership before the end of this year, 2021. So I'll keep you posted on that. Thanks so much for listening and take care. You've been listening to the Future Sense podcast, brought to you by the Nonprofit Agency for Advanced Development of Integrative Intelligence, part of the RD Mesh Foundation. You can find us online at futuresense.it, where you can subscribe for free, and also link to our social media accounts on Twitter and Facebook.